Today we want to talk a little bit about growing together. And for that, I want to call your attention to Romans chapter 8, the first half of verse 29. And it says this, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about predestination and free will. We can talk about that later. But God's desire is clear, isn't it? That we be conformed. That we be made in the likeness of His Son, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we have gathered here today, we do so asking that you would speak to our hearts and minds. We right now close the doors on those other things that would intrude on this time between you and us. We want to focus on what you're saying today, on your truth, how it not only applies to our lives, but how it applies to us together. Lord, we hear your heartbeat that you want us to be conformed to the likeness of your Son. And so, Lord, here we are. Would you teach us and instruct us and encourage us and challenge us and move us another step along that process, not just individually, but together? In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Paul wrote a lot. Most of our New Testament, in fact, appears to be letters that Paul wrote to churches. These, as the Holy Spirit inspired and led him to write his truth to these churches. And we learn a lot about, not only about God and about church, but we learn a lot about him. And his appreciation, his, how he values those people that he works alongside. But also from him, we learn really God's desire for the church. As he wrote to one church in Ephesus, this is what he said. It should be there in your notes. If not, it's on the screen. He said, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, look at this, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Did you see? Did you catch God's desire for us? He wants us to grow. He wants us to grow to be more like Jesus. And in order to help us along that way, God raised up and gifted leaders, pastors, teachers, evangelists. He raised up leaders in the life of the body to help guide people toward that end. That is my primary responsibility as a pastor. But I'm not the only one that shares in that responsibility. All of our grace group facilitators, all of our elders, all of our leaders share in that responsibility. Our Sunday morning Bible study leaders, our youth and children's leaders. We share in that responsibility to build one another up and to lead us to a fullness in Christ Jesus. Now, we know that's the responsibility of leaders. And it is so easy. It is so easy. To say, let the leaders do it. Let the leaders build up and equip and strengthen and encourage. Let the leaders do that. Unfortunately, 
if we come to that conclusion, then we've cut off a good portion of the New Testament. For example, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, encourage each other. Build each other up. Now, wait a minute. I thought it just said that that God had given leaders in the church to do that. Well, he has. But we're not to do it alone. We're in this together, folks. Your, Your leaders ought to be feeding and leading the flock. They ought to be. That's their role. That's their responsibility. But when it comes to each other, we need to be encouraging one another and building one another up. This word encourage in the Greek is an interesting word. The, the verbal form of that is uh, perikaleo, and it, it actually means to come alongside in order to strengthen. To come alongside in order to strengthen. And I'm going to blow some of your minds here. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit of God is called the paraclete, same word, encourager, or one who comes alongside in order to strengthen. Now, we understand that in the role of the Holy Spirit. But what we need to understand today is that you and I, as part of the body of Christ, share in the Holy Spirit's work of coming alongside our brothers and sisters in order to strengthen them and to build them up. It's not my responsibility alone. It's not the elders' responsibility alone. It's not your grace group facilitators or your Sunday morning Bible study facilitators or your youth leaders. It is all of our roles. We participate in the work of God when we come alongside someone else to strengthen and encourage them. So I want to ask you a few questions this morning. First of all, are you someone who helps people to grow? Or do your words and actions cause people to shrink? Have you ever been around anybody and and you talked to them for any length of time and you just felt like you got smaller and smaller in their presence? Either because of their arrogance or because of their criticism or their judgment. What kind of person are you? Do you enter relationships with others for what you can get out of them? Or are your relationships with people primarily about, should be your passion to see them flourish and succeed? What, why do you enter relationships? Is it just for you? Is it what you can get out of it? Or do you look at other people and say, how can I be used by the Holy Spirit to come alongside, strengthen, encourage, and build them up? Are you a cheerful and encouraging person to be with? When you're with people, do you, do you build them up? When you spend time with people, do they feel better, stronger, loved? Or when you spend time with people, do they feel small, discouraged, and useless? You know people like that, don't you? You see them coming, you duck. You make excuses. You don't want to be around them. They suck the life out of you. Are you one of those people? What kind of person would God want you to be? What kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be someone who builds up and encourages and strengthens people? Who when they walk away from you, they know that they have been valued and appreciated for who they are? Listen, this does not mean you never challenge people. There comes a time where you need to to stand up and challenge people because their lifestyle is not certainly conforming to Scripture. They're doing things that are harmful to themselves or harmful to other people. There are times you need to challenge people, and that's biblical too. There's an occasion that Paul writes about when he's writing to the church of Galatia about one of these encounters, and he is actually going toe-to-toe with the apostle Peter. Now, Peter, if you'll remember, Peter was in the, he was not only in the group of 12 disciples, he was in Jesus' inner circle. 
Peter, James, and John were like Jesus' best buds. You know, when they sign letters, they have BFF. For those of you under 20, you know what that means. Best friend forever kind of thing. They were, they were buddies. They hung around together. They shared together. And so here, here Paul has to go up and face Peter because Peter's doing something that's harmful to the body of Christ and ultimately harmful to himself. And this is, this is what Paul writes. He says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I, that is Paul, had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. You know what that's saying, don't you? No matter who it is in the life of the church, including elders and pastors, if you see a straying, you have a divine responsibility to intervene. And the reason you need to do that is the same reason that Paul did that. Because you love God, you love the body of Christ, and you love the person that you're having to lovingly confront. There come times in all relationships where you need to speak the truth in love. And I want to get that out up front because I don't want anyone misunderstanding what I'm about to say. When we talk about how we can be paracletes or come alongside and strengthen other people, I don't want anyone to misunderstand. There comes a time where you need to stop and confront someone. So let's consider this morning how we then can be an encourager, how we can come alongside and help people grow spiritually, especially people in our, in our grace groups. And let me, let me just start by saying, first of all, accept others for who they are and for where they are. Accept others for who they are and for where they are. To the Roman church, Paul writes, accept one another. Just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another. Just like you're accepted in Christ in order to bring praise to God. This word accept means a number of things. To to take as one's companion. To take by the hand in order to lead. To take or receive into someone's home with the idea of showing kindness to them. Or to grant access to one's heart. Accept them. Grant them access to your heart. Because of your standing in Jesus Christ, do you know how God views you? As saints. It's hard to believe, isn't it? That's not who you saw staring back at the mirror in you this morning. But because of who you are in Christ Jesus, He views you as a saint. Now, unfortunately, not all of God's saints act in a saintly fashion. And when you come together in a group of people and you begin to get close to them, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get disappointed with them. They're going to say something or do something that hurts you. Maybe it was intentional, maybe it was unintentional. They're going to stumble blindly into sin or, or maybe they will go into sin with their eyes wide open. In other words, they're going to mess up. If you're going to help others grow, then you're going to have to accept the fact that they don't have it all together. You just got to accept it. If you ever find a grace group or small group of people who have it all together, do not join it. You'll mess it up. Same thing with the church. If you find a church where everybody's got it all together, please don't join it. Don't mess it up. Because if you're anything like me, you don't have it all together. You still stumble. You still fall. You still disappoint people. I feel like I do it on a daily basis. But when you're in relationship with others, then you accept them. Now, now hang on to that thought. Because also when we're going to, when we're going to be connecting with people who are who are at different places along their spiritual journey. So not only are we going to be connecting with people who, who don't have it all together, we're also going to be connecting with people who are at different places along their spiritual growth path. Some are going to be a little further along. 
Some are spiritual giants. Some are spiritual babies. Some of them know the Bible backward and forward. They quote chapter and verse, and you just stand there, your jaw just drops that they can do this. Other people don't know the difference between Matthew and Malachi. There are people who are going to be in this church, in your life, in your groups, who are going to be at different places along that spiritual path. We need to understand and accept that. Now, by accepting people for who they are and for where they are in their spiritual maturity, we are not overlooking or endorsing sinful behavior, nor are we setting, uh, settling for, for spiritual immaturity in their lives. That's not what God calls us to. That's not what accepting means. Remember, let's go back to the definition. Accepting, to grant someone access into your heart. It doesn't mean to approve everything they do or say or the way they act. It means that you invite them, you accept them, you receive them into your heart as a frail creature of dust just like you who's come to know the grace of God in their lives and who's growing, maybe slowly, maybe painfully slowly, but growing. And your call as you receive them into your heart is to help them along that growth, to help carry them, to help strengthen them, to help challenge them, to move them to where God wants them to be. Secondly, if we're going to help others grow, then give others your time and attention. Give others your time and attention. Again, we go back to the Apostle Paul who wrote, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Now, Paul was a busy man. He was a big wig in the early church. And he planted churches, and he got them established, and he'd stay there for a while, and then he would move on. But we're not to think of Paul like some kind of tent evangelist who comes into town, has a series of meetings, and then leaves. Paul was coming in, and he was literally sharing his life with them, sharing their lives with him. They became a community. They cared for one another. And folks, that's what we need in the life of the church, people who genuinely care for one another. If we want to help people grow, then we're going to have to share in their lives. If you want to help people in your group grow, you're going to have to share in their life. You're going to have to do life together. And that's one of the reasons that we're making such a big deal about grace groups, getting connected in smaller groups of believers. I wish, I really wish that I had the charisma and power that all you needed to grow was to come here once a week and listen to one of my sermons. But that's not the way God set it up. That's not the way God designed us. We're formed for family. We're created for community. God designed us to be together and to encourage and to help one another grow. We've all got our busy lives. We have work and we have school and we have activities. We've got all these things that, that scatter us during the week. But we need to be intentional about coming together with a group of people whom we love and and they love us. And our goal is not just for us to grow spiritually, but to see us grow together into the likeness of Jesus Christ. In other words, grace groups are more than just a place to attend. There are people with whom you can do life. Don't just attend. Get connected. There's a big, big difference. A third way that we can help one another grow, express gratitude and appreciate people. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it is amazing the lack of courtesy in our culture. When I grew up, 
My mom and dad taught me please and thank you. Please and thank you. When our kids grew up, we taught them please and thank you. I still have the little song from the Barney the Dinosaur thing going through my mind. Please and thank you. They are the magic words. That's all I remember, but that's the point. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. And now I I may go to a a fast food restaurant or, or some store, and it's like I'm doing them a favor for being there. That's why I can't do it on Sundays, but that's why when I get a chance... My kids will tell you I'm a cheapskate. I'm a big dollar menu guy. I figure, hey, family of four, we should be able to get out for four bucks and tax. Drink water. They don't always agree. But when I get the chance, you know where I want to go? Chick-fil-A. Their sandwiches are good, but you ain't getting out for four bucks. Maybe four bucks a piece, but not four bucks for the family. But why do I want to go to Chick-fil-A? Is it just for the sandwich? Uh Uh-uh. If you've been to Chick-fil-A, they have a different philosophy about customer service. You are treated like you're valuable. You're treated like you're important. It is their pleasure to serve you. Where else do you hear that? The only other place I typically hear that is on those rare occasions where I go to the Ritz-Carlton. Now, I've only stayed there one night in my whole life. But I've been out there for some various things that were going on, some, some meetings or, um, you know, I, I sneaked in one time just to drink coffee and sit down and watch the scenery, but don't tell anybody. But if you ever go out there, it doesn't matter if you're a guest or not. You may not have two dimes to rub together, but if you go out there, you will be treated like royalty. It is absolutely incredible. I just like to go out there so I just feel better about myself. I mean, they're there to serve you. And I'm thinking, if Chick-fil-A could do it, and if the Ritz-Carlton can do it, why don't we do that in the church? Each person is valued by God, is of infinite worth in the eyes of God. God. They are a unique creation of God. If that's the case, why don't we treat them like that? And that's especially true in our groups, because when you're together a long time, sometimes you begin to take one another for granted. That proximity, that nearness, sometimes you begin to take one another for granted. You don't show the gratitude. You don't show the appreciation that maybe you showed a few years back. In our grace groups, we need to make sure that we're not doing that. We need to make sure our, the people who are hosts, whether, whether they're hosting at their home or whether they're hosting it um, you know, here, you know what? They have to set up. They, they, they rearrange their lives in order to set tables and chairs and get the TV and get all that stuff arranged. and They make a big effort for it. Do we appreciate that? Do we show gratitude for that? The people who who facilitate the groups, who lead the discussion time, hopefully they don't just show up and (laughs) pop the DVD in and go, well, I haven't looked at this this week, but they're spending time praying and preparing and getting ready. The people that fix, some of your groups have meals. (laughs) We've had some really good meals, and we're kind of rotating the responsibility of the meals. But the people who work hard to do that, Are they appreciated? Here's what I'm telling you. In our groups, we need to appreciate people not just for what they do for us, but simply because of the value that they have in the eyes of Jesus Christ. Showing appreciation is not only polite, it is biblical. Showing appreciation is biblical. Once again, let me share with you some of the things that Paul wrote to churches To the church in Corinth, he says, I always thank God for you. 
to the church in, in Philippi. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you. And to the church in Thessalonica, he said, how can I thank God enough in return for all the joy that we've had in the presence of our God because of you? Now, if Paul was that free to express praise in writing, how full must have been his praise in person? We want to model ourselves after that kind of gratitude. That I am grateful for you. I am thankful that you're in my life. I am thankful for what you add to this group. We encourage one another by showing that appreciation. When we show appreciation for someone, we're showing them and the people around them that we value them, that they're important. And so, hey, this is something that doesn't just belong in your group. It belongs in the church. It belongs in your family. This is, this is something we need to recapture Because I'm convinced that in our groups and in our church and in our families, we as followers of Jesus Christ should be the most grateful people in the world. We should be fountains of gratitude, geysers of gratitude. We should be expressing appreciation because God calls us to do that, because people are of infinite value, and because appreciation is like fuel for the Spirit. We had a football coach a few years ago, and I agreed uh, when uh, Jay wasn't playing varsity football, I agreed to film the games for him. And I, I'd get up and I'd film the games, and so I'd, I'd take the tape to him, and he'd look at it, and he'd come back, and he might have a couple of pieces of constructive criticism, but he made me think that I was the most important person on the team. He really did. He made me think that I was contributing to the success of the team. Now, as leaders, we ought to be doing that for everyone in the life of the church. But i got to tell you, it's not just the leaders. All of us together need to be expressing gratitude and appreciation, overflowing with that. Fourth and finally, if we want to build one another up and help others grow, then we need to pray for God to be at work in your group. Pray for God to be at work for those in your group. Paul again writes, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always Keep on praying. Keep on praying for all the saints. Prayer is more than just sending up good thoughts for people. It's more than just wishing them good luck. Prayer for others is when we connect with God, bringing another person and their needs into the throne room of the Almighty. We besiege, we, we intercede on their behalf. Prayer is when we bring another into the presence of God, interceding for them. I got to tell you, prayer is not easy. Prayer is a commitment. Don't raise your hand, but have any of you ever told someone, you know, I'll pray for you about that, and then didn't do it? Prayer is one of the greatest gifts that you can give to anyone. To care for them enough to bring them into the throne room of the Almighty, that's huge. And if you make the commitment, do it. Now, I want to give you a, a little bit of my wisdom that I've gleaned through the years. If you're like me, sometimes life gets busy and it's full of distractions. So if you commit to pray for someone, go ahead and do it right then. Just stop. I've done it in the Isle of Angles. Yeah, it's a different place to pray, but you don't have to be in this building. You don't even have to be on your knees. You need to remember you as a child of God have full access into His throne room. And you can do that at Ingalls or in your bedroom, or in this building. 
or on the sidewalk. You can do it anywhere. God calls us to pray, pray, pray for one another. We need it. It encourages others. It lifts others up, and it helps to meet those needs. God calls each one of us to help each other grow. And I believe with all my heart that we can't do that just by showing up one Sunday for an hour on Sunday morning. I believe with all my heart we need to connect, really connect with other believers. We're providing grace groups for that. Some of you found those connections in Sunday morning Bible studies. Some of you have found those connections in other, in other groups that, that come together. Build those connections. Use those times to, conf- to affirm, to build each other up, to encourage one another, to even challenge one another so that we can all grow up to be more like Jesus. People need you, and you need people. That seems to work out pretty well, doesn't it? Let me just remind you what we talked about this morning. If we're going to help others grow, let's accept one another for who we are and for where they are in their spiritual journey while helping them move forward in faith. Let's give people our time and attention. Don't just be a drive-by friend. Let's express our gratitude and appreciation to people, to those in our groups and those outside our groups, and not take them for granted. And let's pray. Let's pray for one another and pray for our groups that this vision that Paul had of us growing up into the likeness of Jesus would be exactly what would happen.